there are two moments in the history of the Midbar, the Doha Midbar with Moshe Rabbeinu. And Moshe Rabbeinu fought for the survival of Klal Yisrael. The two times that Akhoshpokhu wanted to rebuild a Klal Yisrael out of Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu not only does he refuse, but he fights for the Chaita Egel's complete redemption. There, there is an attempt on the part of Moshe Rabbeinu, Vaychal Moshe Chulim Huloch, goes up, Arboim Yon, Arboim Laila, Moshe Rabbeinu pleads on behalf of Cloud Israel, and in effect, essentially erases the punishment for the Chet Egel, because HaKadosh Baruch provides him with the Yudke Mumidus This seems to be repeated once again in Pasha Shlach, when Moshe Rabbeinu pleads once again for Klal Yisrael after the Chet of the Meragrim. However, there are substantial differences between the two. And this leads us to some very, very fascinating and serious consideration. What exactly happened that Moshe Rabbeinu modified or moderated his requests at the time of the Chet HaMeragrim? But what's also interesting is that there's a very, very big discussion in quite a number of Sfarim going way, way back. We on Yom Kippur, right after Kol Nidre, universally, we say to Psukim, And then we add Vishom Ne'emar, and we quote another pasuk, Hashem These two psukim are psukim that don't really belong to Yom Kippur. They are psukim from our parsha parsha shlach that we just laid, and they are psukim that are, of course, related to the bakoshes of Moshe Rabbeinu and Hakadosh Baruch Hu's forgiveness for the chait of Miragu. It is more appropriate, therefore, that the event which occurred on Tisha B'Av and became a Bechi Oledoros should be recited on Tisha B'Av. What is it doing on Yom Kippur? And in fact, the Psukim, which introduced the whole Yom Kippur, really, should have been brought from the Chet Egel's Psukim, which there are many, and which we recite and we are quite familiar with because we say it so often because it's the laning on the Kainas Tzibur. So why don't we say the Midas Harachanim right away? We will say them eventually, after Mayrit, at the end of Mayrit. We will say the Midas Harachanim over and over again, as the Rav, the Chronel of Rochel, pointed out many, many times. The Piyutim kind of pushed out the Slichos, and therefore we don't say the Midas Harachanim nearly as much as they used to, Shachris, Musaf, Mimcha, we come back to them at Ne'ilah with full force. But according to the Rav, we used to say the Yemidus Arachnim, and in fact, his minig was still to do so. And you see in the bottom of many Machzorim that they say here, they say Slichos, without telling you what the Slichos are. And then there are some Machzorim that tell you what the Slichos are, or used to be. For Shachris, for Mimcha, for Mayrit, I mean, for, for Musaf, but Lamaisa, those are the psukim and the associated related psukim that belong right at the beginning of Yom Kippur. 
why do we start with psukim whose origin and who relate and which relate to the hate of the Maraglim of the Tishabav moment when we should be using the psukim of the Chaita Egel of the Yom Kippur moment. After all, Yom Kippur is the day of the Kapara for the Chaita Egel, which Rabbi goes up, our boy in Yom, our boy in Laila, he pleads on their behalf. This discussion, this whole story is repeated in Parshas Ekev once again. And these are the psukim that we should have been reciting, using, relating to at the beginning of Yom Kippur. Why? So interestingly enough, a simple answer to this is that the interpretation of is referring actually at the time of the Miraglim, but to the Slicha that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave Moshe Rabbeinu at the time of the Chet in other words, it's a reprise. It's a uh, going back in time to that moment of slicha and Hashem saying, I apply it now as well. In the same way that you pleaded for me in the time of the Chet Egel, I am now going to forgive you. If that's the case, then we understand a little bit better that this has reference and relevance to Yom Kippur as well. Because the Salachti Kidvarecha, the Bakosha Slicha, is simply a repeat of what the Rebbeinu Shlolem heard from Moshe Rabbeinu and the offering of the Midas Arachmin by the Rebbeinu Shlolem in exchange at the time of the Chet Who says this? So the answer is quite a number of the Kairos. Let me just give you a few of those that I collected for the purpose of this year. Medrash says, Uh, for example, Rabbeinu B'chai. Let's start with that. Amidra parsha shlach perik yudalit pasuk chaf salach tiged borecha. Evinu razal pasuk zeh b'halbi mekoymos b'talmud. He says b'talmud, but it's in the Tanchuma Pekude and Shmais Rabba Alef Gimel. Shal meisei ha'egel neemar. Again. Even though where is this pasuk? In Parsha Shlach, Lagabi the Miraglim. And he quotes a Pirkei the Rabbelezer at the end of Perik Memvav. This is all in the Rabbeinu B'chaye on Parsha Shlach. The third time around. And then he writes, We'll get to that part of the Rabbeinu B'chaye momentarily. But the Rabbeinu B'chaye has said explicitly, It means, Ayom HaShem, HaShem said, even though Salachti once upon a time, when? By the Chet HaEgel, Kidvarecha, as you had asked me then, Ulam Chai Oni, look at the next pasuk, you see, HaKadosh Baruch Hu takes a Shmua, that they will die in the Midbar because of the Chet of the Miraglim. 
the door in its entirety, the men only, by the way, the women did not participate in the Chet Ego, nor did they participate in the Chet HaMaraglim, as it says in Bamidbar Rabbah, which is fascinating. They apparently had that kind of faith which said, if the Rebbe says we can do it, there's no question that we can. And the men, they fell apart. This is historically the same from the time immemorial, from the time of Miriam, when Miriam told her father, but your Xerah is worse than Paro's because Paro lo gozer el and by not having children, you gozer on everybody. And Miriam convinced him, and from that came Moshe Rabbeinu, the Goyal Yisrael. But this is from, from the very outset, the women had this sense of confidence in HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and maybe that's why HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to them by the Kabbalah Satoyo Kaysem Alebeis Yaakov, the Sagid of Nei Yisrael. Because when push comes to shove, even though they're not mitzvah in the mitzvah of Talmud Torah, ironically, but they are the ones who preserve the concept and the idea of remaining close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu through Limud HaTayra in all the generations. And this, of course, is Rochel Rabbi Akiva all over again. Lemaise, Solach Tiket Varecha, HaKadosh Baruch Hu goes up, I mean, Moshe Rabbeinu goes up to Shamayim, he gets the Midas Arachmim, and before HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the Chet HaMaraglim says to Moshe, they're going to die in the desert, the entire generation of men, he says, there was a slicha once upon a time, not so long ago, of course, but there was a slicha by the Chet Ego with Salachti. Salachti is past tense. It's, you know, pluperfect. It, I have then been Salachim, but not now completely. So this is really very fascinating. And the same idea that it refers to the Chet Ego, we find over and over again. It says here in the Das Kenim Ibaliatoisis on this parasha, Bayoyma Hashem, Al Sheshatninu Shenisratza Kodeshbochu Yisrael Bayoyma Kipurim, Bahamaloi Salahti Kidvorecho, Ulakah Hukva Oisayoim Lemechilo Ulkaporo Ledoiras. So the Das Kenim Ibaliatoisis says that this Posak again is referring to what? To the Chaita Egel, even though we find it by the Chaita Maraglim in Parsha Shlach. And that's why it's not a question why we say it on Yom Kippur, according to these shittas. The Toysus in Baba Kamada, Pei Beis Amad Aleph, Div He quotes the Seder Olam, and he speaks about the whole sequence of events by the Chet Egel. And when did HaKadosh Baruch Hu go up to Shamayim? And when was P'sol of Chosh Negev Chosavon and Kohi Shoyna, et cetera, et cetera. And Toysus says that doesn't even bat an eyelash. He says that the pasuk that teaches us that Hakadosh Baruch Hu provided the forgiveness on Yom Kippur is that Tosus themselves at that moment do not ask the question that how come that pasuk happens to be somehow thrown into the mix of Lechet HaMaraglin in Pasha Shlach, when it belongs really in Pasha's Kisisa. So these are amongst the many, many sources that say that in spite of what you see in front of you in Pasha Shlach, really Vayom HaShem Salachi Yedorecha refers to Yom Kippur, which satisfactorily answers the question, why do we say these psukim in our davening at the beginning of Yom Kippur night. Right after Kol Midre, we say these psukim, 
because these psukim are relevant to Yom Kippur. Of course, the question will then be asked, however, then why is it the Davka mentioned here and why is it not mentioned in Parshat Pisisa together with the Midas Harachim and everything else? The Ramban in Parsha Shlach takes a completely different approach. He does not discuss this question, does not wonder why we say these psukim on Yom Kippur, but he clearly identifies these psukim as having to do ach berak with the chet amiraglim exclusive. That's it. And in fact, he works hard to explain quite a number of questions that we have about Moshe Rabbeinu's petition to HaKadosh Baruch Hu to save Klal Yisrael when HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I will wipe them out and I will make of you a great nation. And he wants to save Klal Yisrael. The first question that he asked is that when Moshe Rabbeinu invokes the Midas Harachamim, you will notice that you don't have 13 attributes of mercy anymore. He doesn't mention Hashem, Hashem, Kel Rachum Vachanu. He just says Hashem is Rav Chesed. He doesn't mention the Emes, right? Hashem, Hashem, Kel Rachum Vachanu, Erech Apayim, Rav Chesed, Emes. Where is the Emes? He just says Erech Apayim, Rav Chesed. So he doesn't say Rachum Vachanu. He doesn't say Emes. Another thing he asks, why doesn't Moshe Rabbeinu invoke Zuchus Avos? Is such a prominent place by the Chaita Egel, in contrast, where Moshe Rabbeinu suggests that HaKadosh Baruch Hu should remind himself of the Zuchus of Avram, Yitzchak, V'yakov. We say it whenever we lay in the Torah on a tiny Sibir. We'll be saying it soon in Shabbos of the Tamas. Why doesn't he invoke the Zuchus Avos of Avram, Yitzchak, V'yakov by the Chaita Meragli? So there are a whole number of omissions that Moshe Rabbeinu changed and he did not invoke the Midas Arachmin, which HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, as Chazal tell us, and he said that when they do chet and they do tshuva, in all our slichos, we say all the Yud Gimel Midas Harachamim from the beginning to the end. Hashem Hashem, Kel Rachum, Chanu Neo Chapayim, Mavchesed, Ve'emes, Neisachesed, Ve'alotim, V'chulei, V'chulei. And we do invoke the Sochus of Avram Yitzhak and Yaakov. Why then did Moshe Rabbeinu temper, limit, modify those very same Yud Gimel Midas Harachamim that he achieved by the Chet Ego? And he does not relate to saving Klal Yisrael by the Chet HaMaraglim with those very, very same words. What is this modification? What is it all about? What does he want here? Why doesn't he go full force? And then the Ramban cites an Eben Ezra. And he also makes a very interesting point. He says when there is the reprise, the review, the repeat of Mishnah Torah, Moshe Rabbeinu in Parsha's Dvorim tells over the story of the Meragli. In fact, he adds certain details that we were not privy of from Parsha Shlach in Sefer Bamidbar. For example, that the Bnei Yisrael, when they heard 
from the Maradra upon their return, they fell into such a tailspin of Yish and despair that they became absolutely paranoid. I mean, literally psychologically paranoid. And how do we, we see that? It says in the Pasuk in Dvarim, Vateirognu ba'olechem vatoimru means that Kual Yisrael unmasked. They all said the same idea. They all had the same disintegration. Vatoimru b'sinas Hashem oisanu oitzionu me'eretz Mitzrayim they touched, they interpreted the entire Mitzias Mitzrayim, the entire experience apparently of Matan Torah, the entire moment of forgiveness for the Chaita Ego, the entire traveling in the desert with the anime Kavod and the Mon and Simlos Bosa. Everything is an oasis of perfection where they don't even feel the desert in their travels. All of this was for what reason? To blind us, to lull us to sleep, to make us unaware of what's in store for us. What is in store for us? Our total annihilation at the hands of the Amoiri when we try to conquer Eretz Israel and fail. That is the ultimate paranoia. I mean, every shred of evidence to the contrary, they dismiss. And they are convinced en masse. This is a mass paranoia. That they are definitely headed for extinction and everything was a preparation to lull them to sleep. So Moshe Rabbeinu adds that, the kuda, which we don't really see clearly in Pasha Shlach at all. So, Ramban asks, if Moshe Rabbeinu is giving us extra insights, why doesn't he mention this incredibly important Nakuda? He doesn't mention in Parashas Dvarim that he pleaded on their behalf and that he begged Hashem and Hashem granted forgiveness because Hashem wanted to destroy them on the spot. So the Ramban first offers a suggestion. Well, maybe. Is an, it's an incredible honor. Maybe he doesn't want to show or portray his role in the salvation of Qal Yisrael in the Midbar. But the Ramban dismisses that. Maybe he, it, it would have been a good svarah but the Svar is contradicted in Parashat Seikin. Why? Because when it comes to the story of the Chet Ego, we don't see any evidence that Moshe Rabbeinu is trying to hide his role. On the contrary, Moshe Rabbeinu makes crystal, crystal clear, it makes absolutely clear how much he went and fought for them, and how he achieved for them these incredible Madregas of Rachman and Chesed called the Yudgim Omidah Which Klau Yisrael can avail themselves of forever and ever. If Moshe Rabbeinu is Anibus, which he doesn't deny, it says Moshe of Adam. If that was what was prompting him, then how come suddenly, a few moments later, when he's talking about the Chet Ta'egel, 
does not he have that same anibus to hide his role? So the Ramban is convinced that it has nothing to do with anibus. So why didn't Moshe Rabbeinu tell them when he talk, tells over the story of the Chet HaMaragrim, why doesn't Moshe Rabbeinu tell them his role that he went up to Hashem and challenged Hashem not to kill them and to save them and preserve them? Answers the Ramban that the Rabbana Shalom, when he says, Salachti Kidvarecha, you have to read those words as follows. I forgive them according to what you asked me for. And the next person that HaKadosh Baruch Hu takes a Shavua that they will all die in the desert is not a rejection of Moshe Rabbeinu's pleas, but rather a confirmation of Moshe Rabbeinu's pleas. Because Moshe Rabbeinu did not ask that HaKadosh Baruch Hu should bring them into Eretz Yisrael. And that explains the omissions of Rachum B'chanum, the omissions of Emes. And he explains the omission of Avram Yitzhak very simply. He says, how could Moshe Rabbeinu invoke Avram Yitzhak where for them, the Yerusha Sa'aretz was like the linchpin of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's relationship. Right? And, and, and when he speaks in Parshish Lachlach at the end, but Fritz Mila, he says, no, it's Yitzchak, and, and I will give him the land as an inheritance. And when it comes to right before Parshish, at the end of the previous Parsha of Toldos, Yitzchak is sending Yaakov away, and he says, Hashem should give you the Birchas Savram, what? To give you the land of Eretz Yisrael. So this thing that was so precious to the others and so central to the relationship of HaKadosh Baruch to the others, and this is the very thing that they are rejecting, how can he possibly invoke Sukhus Abbas? It would be the opposite. It would be a, a recriminations. It, it, it would say, you're not like the others. Your, 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 your behavior is the opposite of the others. So he didn't invoke this But the question remains, Moshe Rabbeinu, who's fought so hard for Cloud Yisrael so many times, and who is their leader, and, 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 and his love for them has manifested itself so completely. Why does he limit that HaKadosh Baruch Hu should say, that Moshe Rabbeinu only begs that HaKadosh Baruch Hu should not destroy them in a dever, in a magefa on the spot, on mass right now. But he did not ask that that door should be coming into Eretz Israel. And of course, ironically, whether Moshe Rabbeinu could realize it or not, the fact that he did not ask that they should come into Eretz Israel ultimately led to the fact that he himself was not able to go into Eretz Israel. Because regardless of why HaKadosh Baruch Hu told Moshe Rabbeinu no, but if it wouldn't be for those extra 38 plus years, and if they would have gone now into Eretz Yisrael, Moshe Rabbeinu would have gone with them. And of course, attendant to all of that is the understanding that many Sfarim bring, that if they would have gone with Moshe Rabbeinu right then into Eretz Yisrael, the history of the world would have changed completely. What we call Yemaisa Mashiach might have happened even then. So there's such a transformation, a global transformation and a personal transformation 
and a collective transformation of Klal Yisrael because Moshe Rabbeinu didn't ask enough, didn't try hard enough. And this is what the Ramban says. Let me read to you some of his words. He writes, by the way, this is the Ramban on Perperet Yudalit and Shlach. The Ramban right here. Kihu Yehispalel Moshe Rabbeinu did not daven limchelahem to give them complete forgiveness. Ella sheyisolahem v'yarich apo v'yifkoid abayin obayis albonim. It's pile ployim. He says that he did not daven for them that they should have complete salvation. V'lehoisot filosoi shleima aleya, and he says v'alkein. But that is the reason that Moshe Rabbeinu did not mention it in Dvarim when he tells over the story, when he's about to depart from this world and he's gathering all of Klal Yisrael in the last moment, he does not want to mention his role because he's afraid. He did not want that at that moment they should develop all kinds of arguments and antagonisms to him because they could have the Taina Moshe Rabbeinu, you had your chance, you could have all saved the, the 38 years and the suffering and demise of all that Dormi Ben Esrim, Shona Vamalif, only you would have tried harder. So this is a very, very incredible, incredible thing. So the question, of course, remains. But before we say that, so let's now review for a moment. We have a Yom Kippur davening, where we quote the Pesukim from the Meraglim, and that was my question. Why do we quote Pesukim from Parashat Shlach, the Chet Meraglim, and their forgiveness, when we can quote the Pesukim from Parashat Kisisa, the Chet Ego, which happened on Yom Kippur, that the forgiveness was given. And, of course, the question is answered if we learn that by Yom HaShem, Salach Kivarecha, is actually a reference to Yom Kippur. It's not a perfect Teretz because there are still Psukim that are directly from Yom Kippur from Parshas Kisisa. So it would be still a little bit strange that the Psukim are referring to the Parsha of the Chet HaMeraglim and then referring back to the Chet HaEgel. Why do we need to go to Meraglim to refer back to the Chet HaEgel's Kapara when we speak about the Chet HaEgel's Kapara directly in Parshas Kisisa? And perhaps the answer to that would be but the purpose is to say that you see that HaKadosh Baruch Hu still remembered the Inyan of Kaparas, Chet, or Egel enough that he should invoke it even by another sin, by another Avela. Meaning, in other words, we are invoking it now in the 21st century, as it were, and we are still saying those same Sukkot. Why? How could we? Chet Egel happened a long time ago. And the Midas Arachman were given a long time ago. The Territ says, you see, HaKadosh Baruch said, even by the Chet HaMaradim, I remember that I forgave you at the Chet HaEgel. Salachti Kibbarech. Salachti once upon a time. Ah, Eibazoi, HaKadosh Baruch can forgive us again and again and again. Which in effect is the purpose of the Midas Arachman that he gave us, if we do true. So we've kind of wrapped that up. Could be referring to the Chet HaEgel, even though the Psukim are in Pasha Shlach. The other approach, however, the Ramban and others, is that Salachtikit Barecha is not referring to the Chet HaEgel at all. There's no reference here to the Chet HaEgel. 
and the kapara of the chet ha'egel. So lachti kidvarecha is not kidvarecha that you once told me once upon a time by Echal Moshe, Esmei Hashem, Lakov, Loma Hashem, Yechra Abcha Bamecha. No, not at all. What is it? It is kidvarecha that you're not asking me, you're not going for broke, as they say colloquially. You're not asking me for everything. And I agree with you. And therefore, I take a shvua that the entire door will die in the midbar and only their children will go into Eretz Yisrael. So I preserve Klal Yisrael and I don't wipe them out on the spot, but I do not allow them to go into Eretz Yisrael because of the Chayt HaMarach. And that is Salachti Kiddivarecha. As the Ramban points out, Ad Kedekach, that Moshe Rabbeinu did not even want to review that part of it, when he repeated the story of the Meraglim and Parshas party. Doesn't want people to have kindness to him when he talks about it to them later on. And now you're talking about the next generation. And the next generation says, oh, so you were responsible for the demise of our fathers. And he didn't want to have that discussion. This is the Rambach. So Salah Tikit means HaKadosh Baruch is saying, I'm forgiving you now. And it's Kitvarecha, according to the recipe, the prescription that you gave me in your plea on their behalf, where you left out a large number of the Midas Harachim. So now we only have to ask the question, you had your opportunity and you did it already and you were once very successful by the Chayt and HaKadosh Baruch is offering the Midas Harachim. What went wrong? Why did you modify? Why did you limit? What made you mitigate all of that? That's a tremendous question. I'd like to leave that question alone for a moment. And I'd like to go to a very, very remarkable story in Maseches HaVedazorah Daf Yedzayim Many people know this story. Let me read to you the Gemara as it presents itself, at least parts of that Gemara. Gemara says, Omu Olov al Rebelozor ben Durdaya. You'll notice that they call him Reb Elozor, Rebbe Elozor ben Durdaya. But they say about this Elozor ben Durdaya, Shlohiniach zona achas bo'olam shaloi bo'alal. He was such a profligate, he was, led such a useless life that his entire years, all of his time was bent on his indulging himself in all of this kind of very low activity. He did not miss a single zayna. Pam achas. Shoma sheyesh zayna achas hayam. After having exhausted all the zaynas in his immediate environment, he found out that there was this one very extraordinary zayna who charged a tremendous amount of money for his services. Somewhere far away. She took an entire kiss of dinarim. I don't know how many dinarim were in that kiss, but obviously the Gemara is trying to tell us that she charged a very, very large amount of money. When travel was very difficult, you couldn't just get on a plane and go to Las Vegas. So when he got on this boat, one river and another river and another ocean and whatever it is, finally he got there. 
And then the Gemara says something very remarkable. Bishas Hergel Gavar, in the midst of the act, Gemara is very, very explicit here. In the midst of the act, she let out a wind. An amazing Gemara. So, you know, that's like turning on the lights. Suddenly the whole thing, it's a bad smell. Suddenly the whole thing is not beauty and uh, all kinds of, you know, everything is ambiance. It's the same Maisa The Gemara says, Isha, Masacha Shabbos, Isha, Chemus Maletzoya, Upiya Maletam, Vahakol Ratzinacharecha. So, this is the Zaina that is so expensive, and the stomach, the environment was beautiful, and who knows, music was playing, and the lights were dimmed, and who knows, whatever. And all of a sudden, the whole thing vanishes, and the whole ambiance falls apart, and suddenly there's a bad smell, and uh, he stops. And then the Gemara says, Amra, she said to him, maybe in anger, some say that she didn't say it, Abascal said it, some say he thought it in his own mind, because it's hard to believe that Zaina should talk to him about tshuva. But the Gemara says, Amra, the same way that I cannot undo this bad smell and come back to where we were a moment ago, so Eloza ben Dudaya is also far found. He's finished. He'll never ever become a righteous person. He's been with Zionists all his life and he's going to remain that way until the day that he dies. And any attempt that he has to do tshuva is going to be rejected by Hashem. The very remarkable Gemara on these kind of Gemaras, you don't ask questions. You just don't ask any questions. So what happens at Elozeb ben Dudaya? And how did it become Rebbe Elozeb ben Dudaya? So the Gemara says, he wants to do tshuva. He sat between Harim Uvvos and he asked the Harim Uvvos, please daven for me, pray for me. Allow that HaKadosh Baruch Hu should, should bring me to tshuva. Bakshu alay They said, we can't do that for you. We have to worry about ourselves. Again, very remarkable Gemara. But that's not our agenda. And he did the same thing later with Chamo Levana. He asked the sun and the moon to be Mavakish Rachman. He asked to be Mavakish Rachman. And each one brings a pasuk and says, we can't do that. We can't even take care of ourselves. Pile Ploy. Haramavos can't do it. Chamo Levana can't do it. Kachav Mazolas can't do it. He's on his own. And here, the Gemara tells us a very famous expression, I see that no one is going to help me because it's completely and absolutely and totally up to me. And he cried with such regret that his heart burst. And he died. He died in the midst of his tshuva, apparently on account of his tshuva. At a time when there was still a basco, a basco came out and said, Rebbe Loza ben Durdaya goes straight into Ghana. Bocha Rebbe Ve'omar. 
again, a very famous expression. Rebbe cried when he heard this fast color, he heard the story of Rebbe Lozab and Dodaya, and he cried and he said, a person can acquire his oilam, his oilam abba, in one moment, the shah achas. And then he adds, the yesh kaina alamai the kamashan. Actually, in the Gemara, it's in reverse. Yesh kaina alamai the kamashanim, the yesh kaina alamai the shahs. Why did Rebbe cry? Rebbe could cry. Imagine if we did a great shuva. Imagine what madrega we would be on. And he cried for our inability to reach that madrega of being kaina alamai the shahs. I would like to suggest, and maybe I have a shtikul marashah that supports my, my thesis. I would like to suggest that Bacha Rebbe for Rebbe Elizabeth and Dodaya. Because if you have a choice of being kind of like the camera shows, means a lifetime of shows, and Bacha Rebbe Bishar Achas, then Bishar Achas is a terrible tragedy. It's a tragedy that could put us into a tailspin of Abelus. But Rebbe, that there's a person who's so great that they call him Rebbe Elosa ben He's able to teach the world tshuva. Where are all those years when he was chasing after Zionists? What could he have accomplished in those years? That is the incredible tragedy of Rebbe Lozer ben Derdaya. Rebbe ben is saying, I cannot bring back all those years. And if someone would ask me, why did his heart plots? What part of the tshuva made his heart burst? Have he died from the tshuva? And I think the answer is the part that he realized that he had wasted his entire life. That he could not return. And I think that the world makes a very big mistake if they think that when the Rebbeinu Shalom says, Zedoinais nasim like his zuchuyas, right? Don't we know that if a person does a perfect tshuva, tshuva me'ava, tshuva on the highest level, that even his demerits will actually be put from the red side of the ledger to the plus side of the ledger. So not only does the red side lose those things, and therefore the debit side becomes zero, but the increase on the other side is because the zedonis becomes a chuyas. 100%. I'm not challenging that for a moment. But that has to do with schar v'yonish. It doesn't have to do with in this world what you could have done and what didn't happen as a result. Let's take a look at Rebbe Lozav ben Dudaya. Rebbe Lozav ben Dudaya did not have a life, did not have children, did not raise people to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu, did not do tzedakah v'chesed, did not learn Torah. All those years, this person could have been one of the G'dayle Hadar. They tell a story about the... You don't even know if this story actually happened. There's some who I'm a fat in the story, but it doesn't matter. 
they tell the story that when the Nitziv, that Naftali Tzvi Yehuda Berlin, finished his Hanuk Sha'ol, this incredible corpus on the Sheildhais, which is so Moli Begodesh, God was Petaira, tremendous Bekiyas. He made a simple, he made a celebration, and he told them a story. He says that when he was very young, he wasn't such a Masmid, he was the world Masmid. That's why some people have a fact pick in the story, but he says he wasn't such a Masmid. And his parents were distressed because they had dream. Their dream was that he should become one of the Gedele Yisrael, he should be a Gadol Batayra. They saw someone's Kishrenes and he wasn't using them. One day, he overheard them crying bitter tears about this. And he resolved that he's going to prove that he is capable of tremendous Hasmada. He's going to do them pride, proud. And he make them proud of the fact that he's learning the Hasmada, the Iyun, and this for the rest of his life. It's the biggest masmid of the door. He says, what would have happened if he didn't overhear his parents? What would have happened if, as they had suggested, well, if he's not going to be in learning, let's find someone who's a cobbler, a tailor, or somebody, and let's make him an apprentice so at least he'll have a parnosa. He'll be a tehillim yid. What would have happened then? I would have lived my life as that cobbler and tailor. And then I would come up to Shamayim after May of the Esrim, as they say. And the Bez and Shomala will ask, Naftali, Tzvi Yehuda, where is your Shiltais? Where is your Hamik Dover? Where is your Hamik Shaola? Where is your Hachid Dover? Where is your Meshiv Dover? Where is your Marai Mesada? Naftali, what are you talking about? I'm just a simple cobbler. And they will say, well, that's because you weren't a masmid. That's because you didn't devote yourself to learning. But you could have done all of this. You could have become the great Rosh Hashiva of, of Balozhin. You could have become the grandfather by marriage of Reb Chaim Riska. You could have been all of that. But you didn't take the turn when you were young to accomplish these things. This, they say, is what the Mitzvah said when he did, in fact, become that Masmid that did in fact produce all of us and did in fact become the Rosh Hashiva and the Zayda by marriage of the Chaimis. Whether the story actually happened or not is irrelevant. But this idea of the lost opportunity, the failed moment, the not realizing the value of time, not appreciating that everything is an opportunity that once it's gone, it's lost. Time is not, it's linear, it's gone. Every minute is a moment towards death. Every minute is a moment lost and every minute has to be judged that way. Rabbi Loza ben Durdaya was someone that could have accomplished incredible things for Klal Yisrael, incredible things for HaKadosh Baruch Because if that kind of neshama is capable of doing that kind of tshuva, then it must be a very lofty neshama indeed. How is it possible that Abulazib bin Durdaya should have lived such a useless life? And I think the thought that my life is gone and I cannot retrieve it was what broke his heart in the end. It's very interesting. Tshuva has many components. One of the components, maybe the first component, is charot al 
Haratul Shabbat is a very difficult thing. You know very well that the Vilna Gaon is quoted by many Sfarim as saying about the apparent redundancy you should know three things, right? Din and Cheshvan seem to be almost redundant. What is Din and what is Cheshvan? Why Din the Cheshvan? So the number of Sparim that asked that question and give Tehutsin, the Vilnagon's Territz was very simple. Din is for what the person did wrong. And Cheshbon is what the person could have done in the time that he did wrong. Now, sometimes that could be a moment. And sometimes it could be a lifetime, as in the case of Rebbe Lazar ben Dudaya. And that is the Cheshbon that always attends the din. And it itself is a separate din. And sometimes it's a din that we judge ourselves. And that's why his heart burst. My point is that you cannot necessarily make up for lost time. This is a mistake. You lose it and it's gone. A person goes off the derech, gets involved with all kinds of people, and he, he's married, he has children. He takes his wife, he takes his children, he influences them, Laura. they go off the derech. A person goes off the derech, he marries a goyo. There's no future there. Marriage is not a marriage. Life is not a life. Torah, mitzvahs, masim toivah. Could be just a moment that changed this person, but the impact and the effect is forever. And it's not just him. You think, the, the, the person's Ritzayach, they, they tell him Ritzayach, not just Ritzayach, this person. are crying out. doesn't have to kill somebody physically. He can kill somebody or he can kill himself spiritually. The Chafetz Chaim had tremendous antagonism to a man by the name of Adam Akayim because that person tried to be Mashpi on him to become an Apikaris, to become a masculine. When he was a Yosem in Vilna, Chafetz Chaim was very vulnerable. And he escaped Baruch Hashem of his clutches and he became the Chafetz Chaim. Imagine what he would have become. He would have become another writer, another famous person who would get a good obituary in, in the New York Times, maybe. But to Klau Yisrael, he would be lost if Adam Akayim had managed to get his clutches on him and sink his teeth into him. The lost time is not retrievable. And the Dainus Nasmoy Kaskriyas is something that has to do with Gan Eden. It has nothing to do with what happens here on earth. The Talmudim that you could have taught were not taught. And it's not Ke'ilu they were taught, because that not, does not happen. And, and the children that you have brought in and raised, Altaris HaKodesh, will not happen. And this man was with Zainas, wasted an entire life. No stock of a chesed, nothing. That's all he's interested in, is the pleasures of the flesh. And then one day he discovers, my life was wasted and I cannot bring it back. The point is that certain transformations you cannot retrieve. You cannot retrieve them. You cannot change the mitzvahs just because you did shuvah. 
see an amazing thing by the Maratha. After they were criticized and Kolev straightens them out, by Yas Kolev was on, it gives this incredibly impassioned speech and it's successful. And may Yisrael say, no, we'll go. But it doesn't work. And as Moshe Rabbeinu repeats, in Parshas Varim, HaKadosh Baruch through Moshe Rabbeinu says to them, Don't fight the Knani now. Because I'm not with you. And they didn't. He went against Bnei Yisrael and he was successful. And Bnei Yisrael had to retreat. And then HaKadosh Baruch says, turn away from the Knani and go back into the Midbar. And that's 38 more years. You know why we asked the question at the very beginning, what is it that HaKadosh Baruch wants from Bnei Yisrael? And why is it that, that, that he says only? And why is it more bigger question? Mosh Rabbeinu himself who pleads so much for Paul Yisrael and he has the Chet Ego as his background. Why does he not ask for all the Midas Why does he not ask that they should enter in Eretz Yisrael with all of the attendant consequences? The answer is because there was no one to take into Eretz Yisrael. That's the answer. They had become corrupted. Then the Shamas was stained. They had this incredible moment of doubt and the doubt could not be relieved. When they went and they tried to fight the Knani, they had not yet achieved because they had been condemned by their own words. They had not yet conceived, con- achieved the confidence and the amuna and the bitachan. They were going almost by, almost as if reflex. Hashem says, you can't do it. College says, no, we're going to do it. Let's do it. But they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it anymore. That door was not material to fight the Knani and the Amori and the priest. That door was not the material to go with Yahushua. That door was not the material to stand up against the enemy. You see later, There's a certain quality of spirit, a certain sense of confidence in HaKadosh Baruch Hu, of confidence in one's mission, that eroded to such an extent that it was not retrievable. That door can no longer do this. And that's what Moshe Rabbeinu understood. And therefore, he wasn't asking for less because he assumed that HaKadosh Baruch Hu may not want to give him so much. Moshe Rabbeinu is a man who goes for broke. He goes for everything. But Moshe Rabbeinu understands that it's not Shaykh. And this is Moshe Rabbeinu's reading of a people that when the Maraglin come back and Moshe Rabbeinu and Kolev and Yoshua are all arguing, keep the faith. And they fall into such a tailspin about Torimru, the sinas Hashem, my son Hashem hates us. And this is all a scheme going way back to Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. You can't bring them in Paris as well. It'd be a disaster. We'll lose the wars. Or something else will happen 
there will not be the door that comes and conquers with Yahushua and gives us Eretz Yisrael forever. That's Salach B'Kid Barach. Kavishpoku was masking to Moshe Rabbeinu. He read Bnei Yisrael the same way. And he came to the Maskona that it cannot be. And therefore that door has to... It wasn't a punishment. It wasn't a punishment. And just to give you an example with this, I'll finish. Baron Cutler and many others actually asked the question, okay, they were not the Talmidim of Rabbi Akiva died in one period with a Misa Mishuna called Askarov. And they died because of, and not only was it a, a death of 24,000, but it was a complete disaster for Rabbi Akiva who did no wrong. And the world is desolate from Torah. So there are so many consequences. How is it possible that all of these consequences are because they were no agricultural ever said? What's the answer? The answer is, says Ravarn, that it's not a punishment. It doesn't say anywhere that they were punished. It doesn't use the word onish. It says, Kula Mesa. You know why? Because the Midas that the Torah requires includes Kovid Zebazeh. People learn the Chavrusa, they have to respect each other's opinions and wonder why didn't they think of that? And when they hear a question, they have to take the question seriously. And when Loinahaku Kovid Zebazeh, they didn't respect the Chavrusa enough to take his Torah seriously. And because of that, the Chavrusa shot produced a warped Torah. And if that would have remained, that would have been our Masaira. And it could not be that that Masaira should be the Masaira of Torah for Klaal Yisrael. Basically, if you follow, if you allow me uh, the uh, colloquial expression, because Shboko didn't punish them, he took them out. He simply took them out. Because it was impossible that they should continue the Masaira of Rabbi Akiva. It would have been a warped, corrupted Masaira. This is what I'm trying to say over here as well. The Miraglim achieved this tremendous disintegration and they fell into such a tailspin that they couldn't pull themselves out. And regardless of what it appears on the surface, they no longer had the heart that is necessary for them to enter and conquer. And because of that, HaKadosh Baruch was masking Moshe Rabbeinu's observation and said, Now, I just want to add, if that's the case, why do we say these verses on Yom Kippur? After all, if it's the first pshat, it's fine. Salachti Kippurecha means the Chaita Egel. Chaita Egel is Yom Kippur. Why do we quote Psukim from Yom Kippur that come from Pasha Shlach? Why don't we quote Psukim from Yom Kippur that comes from Pasha's Kisisa, to teach me that HaKadosh Baruch can still remember the Midas Arachimim of the Chaita Egel subsequently, which has relevance to us even today. But if the Pshara, like the Ramban, that Salach Tikit has nothing to do with Yom Kippur at all in the Chaita Egel, and Salach Tikit is very focused, it's just the Dafka that moment, Kit as you suggest, leaving out those Midas Arachimim, that they should not remain 
excuse me, they should not go into Eretz Yisrael, but remain in the desert, then why do we say that on Yom Kippur? And at the beginning of Yom Kippur, not that soon? And I believe the answer is because a person should never come to the conclusion that Yom Kippur wipes everything away and everything is just fine. And we're starting from scratch and everything is okay. Part of the idea of Yom Kippur that it should provide kapara is that it's the day of tshuva. And the day of tshuva requires that at the very beginning, it's part of what we do in Kol Nidre, but we don't have time to go into that now. We have to repair whatever we can, but we also have to realize that sin breeds with it and brings with it tremendous consequences that cannot be resolved and cannot be retrieved and cannot be undone. And with that understanding, we go into Charot Charatalishava, which is the beginning of Chuba, has to be the kind of Charata Ki'ilu of a Rebelazab and Vidaya. To understand that Yesh Kaina Alamid Bishahas is not the ideal. The Yesh Kaina Alamid Bakamashas is the ideal. Every minute has to be accounted for, every minute has to be explained and justified. And we cannot do that unless we do an absolute chuba and regret and regret and regret the past failures. We begin Yom Kippur without a confidence that HaKadosh Baruch is going to take care of everything. Start that way on Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur is a waste. That's why, unfortunately, after Yom Kippur, people run out, some daven it quickly, some don't daven it at all. They miss the whole point, that that moment of Mayrid is the moment of truth. Are you taking advantage of that minute? Because where are we running anyhow? We're not running to do Tzdok of a Chesed. We're not running to do Chavra Kadisha. We're not running to do something that's of the immediate moment of Talmud Torah. So where are we running? The Territ says, we didn't learn the lesson of Slach no Lavina Mazer. Hashem Sosolam Mazer in Mitzrayim Al-Hena. Ayyema Hashem Salach Bikibarecha. It's only Kibarecha. And a moment lost is a moment that's forever lost. No matter how much is a darkness, not so like it's a kriyas. In many ways, it's a very, very uh, distressing concept. But at the same time, it's very liberating because we have the freedom to make the decision that our life is meaningful and purposeful and full of all those things which Akhavaj Boko wants, which is the best for us. This, I believe, is the lesson that the Ramban teaches us in the words, Salah Bikim Barel.